Life Audio. We are all bound by the same purpose, and all of us are called for our lives to bring glory to God. And it doesn't matter how much you bring to the table, it does not change what we're all called to do. And I might bring glory to God in the way that I make breakfast for my kids. I might bring glory to God in the way that I praise Him in my heart through my suffering or pain. I might bring glory to God in the way that I exhibit my character in whatever role um, that God's called me to at work. I might bring glory to God in the way that I love my ailing parent. All of us have the same purpose. And that purpose is such a high and lofty calling as Christians, and it is not bound by position or paycheck. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to How to Study the Bible. We are in Romans chapter 15 today. We have spent the last 15 weeks just working chapter by chapter through this incredible letter that um, gives us so much hope, so much endurance, so much encouragement, which we're going to talk about today, uh, so much practicality. It's this beautiful combination, as we know from Romans 1 through 11, where we really get the way of salvation articulated for us, right? And and you can go back to that. My hope is that you can actually, this is what we're going to do next week as we wrap up. I want you to be able to articulate what is Romans about? Like, what is it about? If you could say um, just off the top of your head, someone was like, hey, can you walk me through the book of Romans? What would you say? Where does it start? Where does it go? When does it pivot? What do we learn? And obviously, there's layers and layers and layers of things to learn in Romans. But I think having a high level view where you can say, yeah, that's what Romans can do for you. This is what Romans is about is incredibly helpful. So that's your homework assignment before we all of you who've been with me week in and week out. It's my homework assignment for myself. And it's my homework assignment for you is how would you wrap up what Romans is about if you if you were going to do so. So we're going to do Romans 15 together. Gosh, I'm so encouraged uh, in this passage today. I want you guys to know that being with you in this way, um, I really do uh, see this as me discovering alongside of you. I don't, I didn't write notes a year ago, and I'm just reading from them. I, I really truly do sit down with God's word just like you do. And I I read the chapter and I pray and I say, God, open open my mind to receive your word today. I'm not doing deep, extensive uh, theological exegesis. Don't you love how um, theological people use huge words? Basically, all that means is I'm not studying in advance. I'm just sitting down with my study Bible like you are. Because what I want you to know is... Um, God's word doesn't have to be intimidating and you don't have to get yourself all powered up for it. You know, it's, it's kind of like taking a walk. It's, it's just about putting one foot in front of the other. And of course there is times and seasons for deeper study and times and seasons where you might like really, really apply your mind and do a lot. But um, I feel like a steady diet of God's word is what we're called to really to be with God in a daily way. And, and to do so means we just need to, we need to level the playing field and not make it intimidating and just say, let's just pick up God's word and read it together. And as we read it together, let's just see what's right there in front of us uh, for us to take from it. So let's look at Romans 15. I want us to focus on verses four through seven today. So I'm going to read to you from the NIV.
Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. All right, we're following the Alive Method. So the first question we have is, what does it say? What does it say here? And it, it, it's, there's a couple things that this particular passage, I think, is saying, and we want to look at those. Of course, of course, the first thing that we notice is the word for at the beginning of verse four. And that tells us, hey, let's make sure we know what the other verses said beforehand, like in verses one through three and back before that. And what we find in verses one through three, when we look back is this is just a continuing thought from chapter 14. And if you remember from last week, we talked all about like, what does it mean to accept those who are weak? What does it mean when we disagree about a way to live out our faith and and how do we handle that? And this is kind of a continuation of that where where Paul's wrapping up his thought and he's saying, remember, the principle here is that we are going to love our neighbor. We're going to please our neighbor. We're going to do what edifies our neighbor. That is what we do as believers. We do it even if in our strength of conviction we feel different. We are going to bear with one another, right? And he's wrapping up that thought in chapter uh, 15 on the first three verses. And he's saying, remember, we didn't do, like, let's remember who Jesus is. And this kind of takes us all the way back to the beginning of Romans, where we learn, right, about the doctrine of Jesus and what Jesus did, that Jesus came in humility and in this season, as we're approaching Christmas, just like that Jesus, that God, God's plan was that like he would come in flesh and he wouldn't just come in flesh, like riding on a white horse and declaring his kingship. He would come as a baby, the most vulnerable and helpless human form, that that would be God's way. 
that through Christ, we would experience the indwelt God uh, with us, Emmanuel, and that he would do it in this vulnerable form, and that that is a key component of the doctrine of Jesus is humility, is that he that he put down his power. He didn't lose his power, but he he chose to set it aside and to dwell with us and to live with us and to give us an example of what it looks like to live in communion with our Heavenly Father in perfect obedience. And that he took that perfect obedience to his death, to his murder on the cross so that we might live. That was just a preview for you guys of what is Romans about, right? And all of that is captured in this little phrase. When Paul says, hey, everything that I'm teaching you practically, all of these practical matters of how to live out your faith are connected to the fact that Jesus Christ did not please himself, that Jesus Christ condescended to come to us. That is why we do what we do. And that's a huge connection. We cannot forget that it is by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we live out our life. If you get those things confused, if you put rules first and you read Romans chapter 12 through 16 as rules without connecting 1 through 11, you will not be living and flourishing in the joy of a dependence on our Lord Jesus Christ. You will be living in rules, and you'll be living in law, and you'll be living in obligation, and that does, that does not create life. So we always want to remember, and Paul continues to, to tell in this letter to the Romans, remember, remember, this is about the mercy of God. This is about the grace of God. This is about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. Okay. So all of that happens in one through three. And then we get this little, this little nugget right in the middle about, um, hey, here's a connection that we want to know about what the scriptures do for us. And as I was looking at this passage, I just want to remind you of just a simple trick when you're reading and maybe you feel... I don't know, like the words are a little bit stale or a little bit rote for you because you've read them before, is to read it in a different version. So right away in this what does it say section, we can just say, okay, as I'm reading, I'm just going to read in a different version. And so I did that today, and I decided to read this passage also in the ESV, the English Standard Version. You can do this for free at BibleStudyTools.com. You just put in BibleStudyTools.com put your text in, and then you can you can shift to different versions and read the same passage with some different nuances, okay? So let me read to you, um, especially, I'm going to read 5 through 7 um, in this different version. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And what we find here is that there's kind of three places in this passage where different words are used. So in the in the New International Version, the NIV, the first place that we see a little bit of a difference is in the word harmony. Or attitude of mind. So in the NIV, that passage, may God give endurance and encouragement to give you the same attitude of mind, is actually translated harmony. And I love that connection that like, in order to live in harmony with one another, there's going to be an attitude of our mind that leads us there. The second place that's different is at the end in verse seven, in the NIV version, it says, accept one another, then just as Christ has accepted you. And in the ESV version, it says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Now, these aren't saying different things. That's really important when we read translations. 
they're not saying different things. We're, the The commentators and scholars who are making the translation are looking at the same original texts. But as they work together to translate, they're going to, our language is dynamic, right? The English language continues to shift and change. So when scholars are looking at original texts, they're translating for the nuance of the meaning of the passage. So sometimes when we look at different things, we're not, it's not because the words themselves are different. It's because it's just a different facet of of the same word. This is a perfect example. The word love. When I say I love my husband and I love everything bagels, is it really the same kind of love? It's the same word in the English language. I'm using the same exact word, but the nuance of it is a little bit different, right? I do not love my husband in the same way that I love everything bagels. If so, I have an issue. (laughs) I either love bagels way too much or I don't love my husband enough, right? So that is an example of a nuance. And if you were to ask me, hey, can you say more about what you mean about you love your husband? You would hear a lot more words that would bring the nuance of what that word really means to me in that context. So when the one of the reasons that we look at different translations is because it gives us just a different facet of a group of scholars who kind of saw it from a different angle and gave us that word. It's sort of an expansion of the word. You see this in the Amplified Bible, where in the Amplified translation, which you can also look at, it will give you kind of additional words to sort of flesh out a word. Okay. So we see here that harmony and attitude of mind are connected, that the idea of accepting and welcoming are connected. And then one more is that we can bring praise to God versus we can bring glory to God. Okay, so in the very end of the passage, that's the translation difference. I share that with you guys just to just to raise your interest about reading different translations, because at different times in your life, this might strike you differently. Uh, The accept and the welcome part, accept one another in Christ Jesus, welcome one another in Christ Jesus. I think both of those words are really important because acceptance sort of means um, I'm going to accept our differences, right? Welcome sort of has that spirit of hospitality. Not only am I going to accept our differences, but I'm going to welcome you. I'm going to welcome you with my heart. Acceptance to me is an attitude of the mind. Welcome is an attitude of the heart. And both of those are captured here in what it's asking of us, what the passage is asking of us. So that's uh, that's the what does it say part of our study. And then what's the backstory? And this is where I wanted to to bring verse four to your attention. Again, I just think sometimes we just we need to back up what we know. And if you're ever in a conversation with a young believer or a seeker or someone from a different religion, you want to be able to understand the connections that we find. A lot of people are like, what's the, why does the Old Testament matter? And how does any of that really mean anything to Jesus? Or people will say, I, I just just read the red letters of Jesus. Like that's what is important to me, right? And and that's okay. We're going to accept people. We're going to welcome people. But I want you to be able to articulate what you believe as well. And so I want you to see in verse four what it says there. It says, whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This right here is a proof text for why we care about the Old Testament. Because in the New Testament, it is very clear that the Old Testament matters. And what we also understand is what the purposes of the Old Testament are. So in this verse, not only do we learn that the former scriptures, all of the body of scriptures, the whole body of work from Genesis to Revelation is important, but we also learn why it's important. 
It's not important so that we can take the rules and apply them to our life. It's important for the encouragement that it gives us, for the endurance that it gives us, because it helps us bring glory to God. So we've got to keep that in mind, that particularly when we're in the Old Testament, which we will be in together in 2022 in several series that we'll do on this podcast, when we're in the Old Testament, we have to ask, how does this apply in the New Covenant, in the New Testament? But it doesn't mean we just throw out the Old Testament. We don't like not care about it. But we care about it through the lens of what we see here in verse 4, because it's designed to give us endurance and encouragement, because it's designed for us to give us knowledge of Jesus. So the Old Testament itself still also gives us knowledge of Jesus. So that's why we care about the Old Testament. And that's why we do what we do. So I love that that component here. So it might be like a verse that you want to write down somewhere so that if, if someone asks you that question, you're able to say, hey, this is why I believe what I believe, because in Scripture, it actually points us to the importance of the form, quote unquote, former days and what, what that was. Okay, so what does it mean? What does this passage mean? What are the principles here? Remember, when we talk about principles, we're talking about um, truth that was the same. It's, it's the same truth when it was originally written as the truth it is for us today. So that means the truth is not culturally bound. It's not about just those people. It's about what what is the nugget? What is the what is the theory of principle that we want to raise our minds to understand? Then we can dive back down and ask, and how does this apply to me? How does this apply in 2021? So we want to pull up out of this passage. This is a pretty easy one to do because it doesn't have a lot of cultural um, trappings like the last chapter. When the last chapter was about food sacrifice to idols. We have to do work to understand, wait, how does this apply to us today? But this is this is pretty straightforward. So here's, here's three things that I wrote down for my principles uh, for our study today. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. The first one, very simple. Our purpose is God's glory. Take that in. Read the passage again if you want. Pause the podcast. Do you agree? Verses four through seven. Is this saying our purpose is God's glory? 
That's what I see here. And, and I think sometimes in the midst of everything that goes on in our lives, we can lose track of the main thing. Um, and let's, like, what's the main thing here? And actually, the main thing as believers is the way that we shine light on God and the way we bring glory to God. And it's a beautiful truth that no matter who you are, whether you are, you know, a big leader in a big corporation, whether you are rich or poor or black or white or staying home with your kids or staying home because you're disabled or out there in the whatever, whenever and whoever you are, we are all bound by the same purpose. And all of us are called for our lives to bring glory to God. And it doesn't matter how much you bring to the table. It does not change what we're all called to do. And I might bring glory to God in the way that I make breakfast for my kids. I might bring glory to God in the way that I praise him in my heart through my suffering or pain. I might bring glory to God in the way that I exhibit my character in whatever role um, that God's called me to at work. I might bring glory to God in the way that I love my ailing parent. All of us have the same purpose. And that purpose is such a high and lofty calling as Christians, and it is not bound by position or paycheck. And that is so, so important for us to understand. Now, you may say, how can I bring glory to God in my life? You know what? Ask him. God, our God, who gives us endurance and encouragement, will show you. He will show you how you can bring glory to him today. Oops, got ahead of myself, guys. Sorry. Little bit of preaching today. Okay, back to the point. Our purpose is God's glory. My second principle from today, God provides his word and himself for our endurance and encouragement in our purpose. So not only in this passage does God give us our purpose, he also says this is how you're going to accomplish it. And the way you're going to accomplish it is through my power. God says he provides his word for us. Secondly, he says he provides us endurance and encouragement through his word and through him. So anytime we feel weary, anytime we feel tired, anytime we feel discouraged or in despair, God himself wants to provide for us. And he provides for us through what we're doing right now when we open his word. And he provides for us through his presence. And we all have access to that no matter where we are. Third principle, our purpose is to live in harmony and hospitality with believers because that glorifies God. So again, our great purpose is to glorify God. One of the ways that we glorify God, and it's not optional, one of the ways we glorify God is in the way we live in harmony and hospitality with other believers. The way the the people in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your church, yes, I'm including, and especially the ones who are very annoying to you, all of those people are who God says, the way you love them, the way you live in harmony with them, the way you experience hospitality with them is how you bring me glory. It is very, very clear in scripture that that's what we're called to do. And I, I fear, friends, especially in the American church, that we have lost our way, that somehow we think our job is to police other believers, to crucify and condemn other believers, when what God's actually called us to is acceptance, welcome, hospitality, and harmony with other believers. And I don't want I, this. Whenever I say words like that, I know it can make you think of other people. This isn't about other people. This is about what God's doing in each of our hearts. And, and we have to turn that that focus inward and say, God, how are you convicting me? How are you challenging me about the way that I live in harmony with other believers? I know even as I say those words, I, I can think of a relationship that God brings to mind that I feel like he's gently asking me 
how are you showing up in love for that person? And, and I hope he's doing the same for you. So what does it mean for me? It means just that, just what we did right there, where we just say, okay, if this is the principles of this passage, allow me to turn my heart inward and say, God, what is it that you're asking of me? This isn't about the people around me who aren't doing what I think that they should do. This is about me. Hopefully those people find this podcast and God convicts them through his spirit and through his word. But what matters now is that you're here and I'm here and God's asking us to turn inward and say, okay, what does this mean for you? And for me, uh, one of the things I'm taking away from this is that hospitality is a state of mind and it leads to action. Like if I, if I'm open in my everyday life, hospitality is going to be a state of being and a state of mind that leads to action. I don't usually tell you guys stories, but I'm going to tell you a story today as we wrap up just a brief story. Yesterday I was at Starbucks. I was working um, out of town and I was going to quickly grab a coffee and just uh, do a few emails before I had a full day of meetings um, in this place. And so I go to sit down outside and a gentleman uh, down at a couple tables down just very much engages me in conversation. And I had this internal battle because I was like, I really want to do these emails. <laughs> like, I just wanted to do my emails. And yet in the midst of it, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, are you going to be present with people? Because hospitality is a state of mind. Like hospitality says I am open. And I am willing. And so I did a little bit of mental gymnastics and realized the things that I wanted to accomplish, they were not actually urgent. They, they didn't have to be done right then. It was convenient to do them right then. And I liked the idea of getting them done. But it wasn't like, you know, it's not like I'm doing brain surgery and someone's like open on the operating table. It's just emails, for goodness sake. So I had a minute where I was like, well, no, this is not. This is just I had a plan. And now God's interrupting my plan. Am I willing to be hospitable in my spirit? to someone next to me. And so for the next like 25 minutes, I heard all about this gentleman's life, uh, his family, um, the way that his life has had these twists and turns. Um, Our faith came up, spirituality came up. It was so incredible. And I thought I would have missed this opportunity, like to bring glory to God with the way that I sit here at Starbucks. I would have missed this opportunity. And God's not going to condemn me for missing the opportunity, but my life wouldn't be as rich. It wouldn't be as full. I wouldn't have these moments where I feel this connection, this deep sense that we live in a spiritual realm. It's an invisible spiritual realm, but it's happening all around us and that God's inviting us to divine interruptions and divine appointments everywhere we go and that we can be people who live in a hospitable state of mind. And in that state of mind, we actually take action to do our best to bring glory to God with the way that we live out our daily life. I hope that's helpful to you guys as you move into this Christmas season, as you're out and about. My hope and heart for you is that you would keep this idea that not only am I called to live in harmony with believers, but the way I am hospitable in my spirit brings glory to God. Love you guys so much. So excited. Next week we wrap up. Don't forget your homework. We're going to be talking about what does Romans actually say as we move into Romans 16. Peace. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, 
you can check out her website at NicoleEunis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.